In this episode, I talk to Ryan Hanley. He's my first international guest based in Albany, New York. Originally an insurance advisor, Ryan transformed his business with a powerful marketing strategy. Becoming a content marketing expert, podcaster and author, he is now a sought after speaker on the US circuit. Hear how Ryan gave his business a shot of adrenaline charged marketing. Listen to how a focus on answering your client's questions can catapult you to business success. That's all right here in episode 51 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show. And here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hello and welcome to the Empath Podcast. Before we fly across the pond and talk to Ryan Hanley, I'd just like to thank you all for the great feedback on episode 50 last week. It was a milestone for me and a milestone for the podcast. Many of you were kind enough to comment and say how much you enjoyed the interview with Mark Polson. Hearing the story of how Mark created his business, The Langcat, struck a chord with many people and I'm delighted Mark's story was able to inspire. Some of you were kind enough to share links to the show with friends and colleagues. This is a great way to spread the word about the Empath Podcast. If you enjoy listening to the show, please do share it with your friends, colleagues and social media contacts. Each episode has its own show notes page with links to the books and apps and things we talked about, but it also has social media share buttons. I'd be grateful if you'd spread the word about the podcast. And if you fancy appearing on the show, get in touch. My email is roger at rogeredwards.co.uk. That's roger at rogeredwards.co.uk. The winner of the Empath50 hashtag competition, drawn at random from everyone who used the hashtag, was John Thompson. John's Twitter handle is john underscore thompson3. John, I sent you a message on Twitter. Please get in touch with your contact details and I'll send you your bubbly. And now on to episode 51. Here's another uplifting chat with a US marketer at the top of his game. Ryan Hanley is a US-based content marketing expert, author, podcaster and mentor who loves helping people create content that grows their business. He's VP of Marketing at TrustedChoice.com, creator of AgencyNation.com, a keynote speaker, host of the Content Warfare podcast and author of the book Content Warfare. His goal is to help personal and business brands find their audience, tell their story and win the battle for attention online. So let's get to that interview with Ryan Hanley right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. So Ryan, welcome to the Empath podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, Roger. Thanks for having me, man. Not a problem. Ryan, you're talking to me from the United States. You are my first international guest on the Empath Podcast, so that's great to have you on board. Just tell everybody, where are we Skyping you from? I am two and a half hours due north of New York City in Albany, New York. 
Yeah. Ryan, it's great to have you on the podcast. You are a podcast extraordinaire. You've been podcasting for well over 120 episodes now, the Content Warfare podcast. Now, I've been broadcasting the Empath podcast for just over a year, so I'm just past episode number 50. I've mentioned you quite a few times in early shows, and you're partly responsible for me starting the podcast. Now, that I've been li- very exciting man. <laughs> and, and, and humbling, really. It's uh-huh. uh, it's awesome. And, and, I, and I've seen I've seen you sharing your shows and 50 is an incredible accomplishment. I'm really I'm really very proud of it. Episode 50 is going out tomorrow. I've got a new theme music, a little bit of a remix, a little change of the format. But it's very exciting. Now, I have been listening to podcasts for many years, mainly marketing podcasts from the US shows like Social Media Marketing World with Mike Stelzner, Six Pixels or Separation. But it was the two podcasts with the two hosts that finally motivated me to launch this one. And it was a sales line by Marcus Sheridan and your own show, The Content Warfare Podcast. So that's why it's double great to have you on board. But Ryan, you're known across the world mainly now for the Content Warfare website, the Content Warfare podcast, your book that you've just um, launched, and of course your speaking engagements. But what a lot of people listening across the world, and potentially those people who listen to you from the UK won't realise, is you're actually a a guy with a financial services and insurance background. And that's why I thought it'd be fascinating to talk to you today to give us a bit of an insight in how you went from being that insurance guy to a content marketing mentor, which I think is the way you describe yourself on your website. So let's find out a little bit about you before we get into the detail of that, Ryan. Where did you come from? What are your ambitions? What makes you tick? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I was an athlete and that's what I did, right? I was a three-sport athlete in high school and then I played baseball in college and uh, school was always like the thing I had to do to keep playing sports. Okay. And I had no clue what I wanted my path to be and I tried a couple kind of big, big corporate environments. I worked for an international accounting firm and then I worked for uh, American Express, the credit card company uh, in New York City down in down in uh, the financial district and uh, very unsatisfied with both those jobs. Uh, I think if entrepreneurialism was as cool today as it was back then, I probably would have tried to become an entrepreneur. But, okay. Um, you know, I didn't really, it wasn't cool back then. It was kind of like, that was still when being an entrepreneur, you were still kind of considered a bum. Now okay. It's like, now it's like a badge of honor. So uh, I actually, you know, I was just unhappy, and, and I, but I was living with my now wife, then girlfriend, and uh, her father owned an independent insurance agency, uh, primarily property and casualty insurance, but also life, health, and investments. And... Um, uh, he kind of sat me down in the big leather chair and made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. I, said, I think he he basically didn't want his daughter. He kind of saw the writing on the wall and didn't want his daughter to be married to a bum. Okay. So he's like, come work for my insurance agency and I'll at least be able to keep my eye on you. Um, a good, honest so I, profession is, is insurance agency, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so I did that. Uh, that was nine years ago. Um, and I started like every insurance agency or every independent agent starts. I just started pounding the streets, right? Calling friends, walking into businesses, going to networking events and doing all the things. And, and I was, I was struggling. It just, mm-hmm. I, I, for whatever reason, it didn't, that, that way of selling didn't click for me. Um, I felt awkward. I felt like I couldn't be myself and, uh, the the whole like it just it just didn't work. So, was it was it the cold calling? The having to yeah, phone up people. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like it. I just I felt like I was interrupting people's lives. Yeah. I did. Even though I knew that I could do a good job for them once I talked to them, I, I just I felt like I was interrupting them, and I did not like that. And what and whatever. So I was um 
I was in a, a networking event and you know how even as adults, when you're at networking events, you still form those same circles that formed in like eighth grade dances. <laughs> of course, and, yeah. Uh, That's so it. one of those, one of those formed, right? So I, I elbow my way into this thing and uh, uh, a real estate agent is talking to a mortgage broker. Actually, the two people who I kind of elbowed my way into the circle to talk to, I knew who they were and I hadn't had a chance to introduce myself and I wanted to. And I hear them talking to each other and the one says to the other, well, we'll just connect on LinkedIn. Okay. I had no clue what LinkedIn was at the time. I, I just, I, I don't have a, a propensity, even though uh, technically I'm the first year of, of uh, Gen Y, so I should like love social media naturally. I just had no propensity for it. Okay. Um, I didn't know what LinkedIn was. Uh, and when they said that, you know, you, you had said in the green room, you know, kind of before we went live, uh, the light bulb moment. This was my light bulb moment. Right. I, um, for whatever reason, this thought entered my head when I heard that person say to that person, we'll just connect on LinkedIn. I said, there are things happening, there are conversations happening online that I'm not a part of. And I, I don't know why that drove me nuts. The idea that people were connecting and communicating and building relationships, and I legitimately had no access to that. I had no way to get into it because I wasn't on social media, mm -hmm. drove me crazy. So I, I didn't introduce myself, I immediately left drove back to my office at 7.30 at night and I spent, I called my wife, I said, I'm gonna be home late and I was there until after 10, just learning every, you know, I got on the LinkedIn and just dove in uh, head first. And um, the thing that I learned in those three hours, just from looking and who's doing this and who's sharing and who's popular and who's got the most connections, there was one thing that stood out and this has been the guiding principle of everything that I've done for the rest of my career, the creators win. Right. The people who create the content attract the attention, they own the conversation, they own the message, and they ultimately win the business. So that was a great light bulb moment. And I think if you think about it, nine years ago, LinkedIn, it was almost like an online CV, you know, yes. a resume. Yeah. Um, so that was the light bulb moment. You realized that the creators are the ones that succeed. So presumably that made you think, how can I be creative? How can I go back and make the Murray Group, my insurance company, successful? Take us through that process that you went through to effectively turn around the marketing of the Murray Group. Yeah, so I, I so we had done nothing. So the, the Murray Group was a, at that time, I guess they'd been in business about 37 years, my father-in-law's agency, and they just... He had built his business on referrals. That's all he did. You know, it was only referrals. And, sure. and there are a lot of uh, financial and insurance organizations that are built that way. And, and that's fine. But uh, for a new person coming into the business, you know, when my father-in-law started the, the, his agency 37 years ago, there just wasn't that much competition. The, the, the industry hat was very immature and there was tons of opportunity. Today, the, the market is completely saturated. I can see from my window as we're talking three other agencies <laughs> uh, from where I'm sitting at, or from where I'm standing, I'm at a standing desk. And do you so, talk to um, them in the car park or are you just sort of like rivals and? Uh... It, you know, I know them. I wouldn't say that we're friends, but um, uh, you know, I know them and we're cordial and we see things and I and I can see them right in my window. And it's like, you know, so it's not as, that, that game is not as easy as it once was. No. There, are, there are other things that you need to do in terms of marketing, I think. and. Uh, this is part of the clash that we see is the old guard is like, you don't need to do that. Just work on referrals. And the new guard is like, we can't just work on referrals. You have them all already, right? Like, yeah. Our generation of insurance and financial professional has was able to build 
the empires that they were because there were all these spaces that weren't filled and now there are very few spaces that aren't filled and there are other methods that need to be employed and and I chose uh, going online and being a content marketer. Uh, at the time, I didn't know that that was the term. But so, okay, so to answer your question, in 2009, I uh, finally decided, you know, I had been doing some stuff on social media and Facebook, and I finally decided, you know, uh, I, I need to start creating content. I, I need to start doing this. So I went to my father-in-law and I said, I want to start blogging on the, on the Murray Group's website. And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, His eyes think, glazed over. <laughs> yeah, to think that some... 20 you know late 20s kid who could barely sell an insurance policy was going to start blogging on his website was ludicrous to him and i don't necessarily blame him i think you get quite a similar reaction in the uk at the moment from a lot of people if you went to say that i have to say oh, yeah yeah and, and i and I, and I and i you know in many cases i don't blame them it is scary it is new it is different mm. but i was very lucky because i then said to him and i hadn't even thought about this but what i what i also wasn't expecting him to say no and he's when he said no I kind of looked at him and I said, well, what if I do it on my own website? And he said, as long as you brand it us so people don't think that you're starting your own company, I'm okay with that. Okay, that's fair. And RyanHanley.com, which is now my marketing platform, you know, where I talk about all this stuff, mm -hmm. that originally started as an insurance blog where I, you know, kind of branded myself the Albany insurance professional. And I just, I, I basically was young enough in my career that I said, every new coverage that I learned, every new product that I learn, I'm gonna talk about. Because if I'm an insurance professional and I'm still learning things, then the people who buy this stuff can't know anything. Mm. So I just talked very basic, very introductory level, very general, um, and I just started talking about what these different things were. And it, it took about two years, but after about two years, I started bringing in enough business from that platform that they said, why don't you come over and do this for the Murray Group? And you were effectively just answering basic questions that people had about insurance so it could be you know what what does a premium mean what does a policy mean and you were doing that by videos or just written I blogs started in text, text so i started okay. just uh answering them via text and I, I i hadn't i'd done a few videos but video technology was still in 2009 very new and mm -hmm. uh it was hard and took time to upload things to youtube i mean a uh, a two-minute video took 25 minutes to upload to YouTube then. Now it takes 15 seconds. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there was significant time and, and the editing tools were really bad and clunky. And, um, but in 2011, so, so, okay, so fast forward to, to kind of get to the point here. Um, 2011, I'm bringing in, so we have a Monday morning meeting where we talk about the sales from the previous week. And uh, I'm starting every week to report you know, where did that business come from? And I would say it came from my website and more and more and more. So finally, um, uh, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law works there too. Uh, they said, do you want to start doing this for the Murray Group? And I said, sure. And in December of 2011, um, I kind of got the keys to the site. And I, I said, uh, you know, the example I always use, and, and, and I don't know how familiar your listeners are with the movie Pulp Fiction. Oh, yes. <laughs> so Pulp Fiction. Royal uh, with cheese. <laughs> yeah. Uma Thurman's character snorts heroin. Yeah. Horrible idea. Um, John Travolta's character knows if she dies, she's the boss's wife. He's going to die, too. So mm -hmm. he takes an adrenaline needle. He jabs it into her heart and she comes bursting back to life. So that is essentially what I wanted to do with our website because nothing had ever been done on it. 
So it was essentially dead. It just a few people came to it every week to look for our phone number, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. But I wanted to get this thing rocking and rolling. So I said, how can I do that? What can I do to can really jumpstart this platform? And I said, I'm going to take the same concept I've always been doing, but I'm going to do it on steroids. I am going to answer 100 questions related to my business in 100 days. I'm going to use video because now by this time, video had started to become a little easier. I mean, compared to today, it still was very clunky. But at the time, I mean, it, it had gotten to the point where you could produce video and it wasn't an incredible burden. So uh, I said, I'm going to do it via video. I'm going to do two minutes or less. I'm going to answer these questions. I'm going to be very direct and uh, I'm going to post them every single day for 100 days. So I spent the month of December collecting questions. I asked my clients, if you could have one insurance question answer, what would it be? If you could have one, you know, over and over and over, I asked these questions and I collected 147, pared it down to 100. And then on January 2nd of 2012, I started answering them. And it is amazing what happened. Immediately, our traffic went through the roof. Now, I, I will put this caveat on it. If you were to do this today, your results may not necessarily be similar because we are four years, three years from when I did this and more people have kind of learned that this is a thing now. So at the time I was very early to do this kind of thing. You know, now it is a little more common. So you may not see as quick a jump, but the the concept still works 100%. So uh, over those 100 days, our traffic increased 500 fold Uh, We went from getting 72 hits a week to almost 500 hits a week. And we generated in those 100 days from people who referenced the videos, $5,132 in net revenue, not premium, but but actual Mm -hmm. income to our business. Uh, Since that time, uh, we've uh, probably, we're we're up over six figures um, just from those 100 videos. And uh, it was really an incredible, incredible um, campaign and uh, 35 minutes a day is what it all averaged out to be. So it took me about 35 minutes a day to post a new video. And if I could tell you that 35 minutes of work for 100 days would yield you over the course of two and a half years, almost $100,000 in revenue, I think just about everybody listening to this. They'll be all getting uh, their iPhones out straight away and setting up a little studio in the corner. I think (laughs) think that's actually a really good point though, Ryan, because even now I think people have this vision in their head that if you're going to do something like video, if you're going to produce content, it has to be expensive. So you're going to have to hire a film crew or you're going to have to have a proper studio with a you know, with with a, with a sound crew and all of that sort of thing, and a best boy and all this. But the reality is, and and I don't know what equipment you use, but I hazard a guess that it was probably a, a small camcorder, a tripod, a quiet part of the office with a white wall, maybe a green screen. I bet it it wasn't anything too complicated or too expensive, was it? It was even worse than that to okay. start. I was literally holding it with my hand, just talking. So mm-hmm. it it wasn't even good. It was it was it was like fair at best. Okay. Uh, but here, I will give uh, your listeners the breakdown for the 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 budget studio right now. Uh, pro- I'm going to assume that everyone has a smartphone that's listening to this. Yep. If you don't, then you're not even considering video. So, <laughs> um, so I'm probably, you're probably not the audience. So if you have a smartphone um, and it, it was pr- created in the last three years, it has an HD camera on it. Okay. Um, so you take that smartphone, you go on to Amazon and you purchase a desk tripod for $9. Yep. You then Google the blue Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, Mike. You can also get it on Amazon. It's somewhere between $50 and $65. Purchase it for either your iPhone or your Android. You plug it into the bottom. 
you now have absolutely everything you need to create high quality HD video that sounds amazing from any place that you go. That's the whole setup. If you want to do, now obviously you can expand from that immensely, but that is the way to create high quality talking head video that sounds really good and is HD quality. You can do it right from your phone with a tripod and you plug that mic into the end and it creates um, really high quality audio. Most, most of your phones have good audio, but I would spend the $50. So for somewhere between 75 and 100 bucks, you can have a high quality video experience that you can produce from anywhere that you are. Your story is very similar to an advisor that we have in the UK. And I'm going to give him another shout out on the Empath podcast. He's been, a, he's been on the show before. A guy called Pete Matthew did a similar sort of thing. Uh, it took him a little bit longer than 100 days, but I think over the course of um, two or three years, he's produced nearly 200 videos, most of which were actually filmed within his garden. He lives in Cornwall, which is about 400 miles further south than me, so he gets much better weather. And he's had a similar experience to you, Ryan. He has created a massive amount of traffic to his website, and he's gone on to create a podcast called Meaningful Money. And Meaningful Money is one of the highest rated financial podcasts in the UK. So, so that really brings us on to the next stage of your story. You've proven to Murray Group, you've proven to your father-in-law that this concept of content marketing of answering questions, answering the questions your customers are asking, answering those questions is creating traffic to your website and ultimately creating more business for the Murray Group. What was next? Was that when the podcast idea started? Was was that when Content Warfare became your next project? Yeah, so when that when that campaign finished, I was exhausted and I took about a month break. <laughs> and here's one cool thing just for your listeners is that here's the cool thing with Google is that when you create value like that, when you're answering questions um, and you're providing very solid, straightforward solutions for consumers, Google, when you let's say you need a break like I did, uh-huh. I done 100 questions, 100 days, I was exhausted. I need a break. I, t- I literally did not post a single thing for a month. Our traffic kept going up during that month, even though I wasn't posting because I had done so much work. So when you think about these things, there are salespeople working for you 24 hours a day. That's, yeah. that's kind of how I think of each blog post. But to answer your question, after I finished that during that month that I took off, I started to get all these emails like, how did you do this? Can you help me do this? But you know, over and over and over again. And I started to realize really quickly that I liked teaching people this stuff. Right. I, I wanted to dive deeper into it. And it really became kind of my side hustle thing was that um, I started doing some kind of one-on-one co- consultations and, and podcasting started to creep up. So I finished this in April of 2012. And in August of 2012, I started the podcast and I basically did everything you could wrong to start the podcast. Uh, I didn't do any kind of marketing buildup or any kind of launch. I just kind of started. <laughs> I just started. I just was like, it was just like one day I have a podcast now, like, hey, come listen to it. And it was it was not good. And I had to up my game, like just about everything. It usually starts pretty poor and I, I'm kind of learn on the on the job. So now I'm 125 episodes in and I can I think I, I, I've lately I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, kind of what's the next evolution. I, I wrote the book. I've written hundreds and hundreds of blog posts and you know I spent an entire year on Google Plus learning about audience building and, mm-hmm. and doing a lot of testing there and uh, what's the next what's the next iteration and I'll tell you I think my favorite thing that I do on a daily basis is interview people right I love it I right. love this I love commenting and connecting and hearing people's stories and trying to pull out of them 
Um, and it's kind of like interviewing a client. Yeah. Right? It's, it's very similar to that. That was always my favorite part of once I had the person in front of me, like digging into their needs and, and, and getting the truth out of them and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so, you know, I, I think I'm going to, I've been doubling down on the podcast a little lately and I, I've gone to two episodes a week and, uh, it's been really incredible. I found as well doing this podcast for 50 episodes now the interviewing part of it is it's it's a double-edged thing because on the one hand i'm providing content to financial advisors in the uk to financial services providers but every interview i make i'm learning stuff as well i I always come out of every interview with few things written down i mean one, one of the things about the podcast i always say and this is the next question i'm going to ask you if there's one thing that you would like the listeners of this podcast to take away from them from your experience what would it be and i always have two or three things written down that I take away from each interview that I have. So it is a great way to meet people, to to learn and to grow yourself. And that's why I think the podcast medium ultimately is one of the best that there is. Oh, I, I it is. Uh, so, so this is, so let me run this by you. So um, my, one of my philosophies is that the amount of time someone is willing to spend with your content, there is a direct relationship between that time and how much value they apply to you as a thought leader, mm-hmm. right? So uh, if if someone's willing to give you a half hour of their time, they respect and appreciate what you're saying and doing more than if they're willing to give you 30 seconds of their time. Sure. So when you think about that, I can tell you that, uh, or I, I don't know this for a fact, but say it takes me 20 seconds to create a Facebook post. I, I mean, most people don't even, are blind to most Facebook posts and the ones that they do give attention to, maybe they give a few seconds. Sure. Right? Sure. Then uh, I, the average reader of my blog stays for two minutes and two seconds. Okay. Mm-hmm. The average listener to my podcast listens for 27 minutes. Wow. So when I think about my core audience, the true fans, and, and, and I'm saying mine, but I mean any podcaster, right? So when you, when you think about the people who are willing to give you that time over and over and over again, they, they, they really believe in your message and how you deliver it. And 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 what your philosophy is and what you're trying to deliver to them they they connect with that and i i know video you can create connections but there's something about the intimacy of a podcast that is it really is undeniable and and i think that we found this for so long with radio personalities right yeah for so long we you know we we liked our tv hosts but whoever your radio person was who was on with you in the car every day, you you mean you connected with that person. Yeah. And I think that has transitioned to podcasts and podcasts have really allowed that type of relationship to go even deeper and farther. So what would be the one thing that you would like the listeners of my podcast, the Empath Podcast, to take away from the experiences you've had building your audience and building your business in the United States? All that matters are the people that believe in you. Don't chase larger numbers for the purpose of larger numbers. I know that this is very common. This is this is something you've probably heard before, but I can't emphasize how true this is to growing your business uh-huh. and, and whatever businesses, financial advising, marketing, being some sort of personality on a show like this or whatever. It, it always comes down to how many true fans do you have? And uh, and Roger, I know that um, your copy of Content Warfare is probably either in the air or on the <laughs> sea between the two of us right now. Indeed. Um, but when you when you do have a chance to to look through the book, it, it I start the whole thing with the concept of true fans because these are the people who who don't even necessarily always consume your content, uh-huh. but immediately hit the share button or the retweet button because. 
maybe they don't have the time in that moment, but they know their audience will love it. And and that's how you start to reach larger people and build even more relationships. And it all starts with that core audience. So whether it's your centers of influence, so a financial advisor, insurance professional, how many centers of influence do you have? How many people do you have that when one of their clients comes in, they're thinking about you as an option, right? So they're not just thinking about their own business, they're thinking about your business too, Mm -hmm. right? That core group, those are your true fans. Those are the people that are willing to put their neck out for you. Mm -hmm. And it's all about growing that group. Fantastic. So you turned around the Murray Group, you've launched the Content Warfare podcast, you left the Murray Group, I think, to set up your own company, um, Hanley Media Labs, but also, are you not now responsible for the marketing of a of a larger, almost like a a, a trade body over there? Is it Agency Nation? Yes. Okay. So this is so this is interesting. So um, my my work at the Murray Group had kind of run its course. Yeah. I, I realized that I being an actual boots on the ground insurance producer was never going to be my f- future. I just I loved the, I loved the industry. It just it did not get me jacked up. The, the hunter getting someone to wet sign a document. I just didn't care. I, I, the marketing of the business and the running of the business that really got me going. So, so I, I uh, left the Murray Group and, you know, kind of sold them back my book of business and went out and started Hanley Media Lab, which is going to be my own kind of marketing strategy firm. Mm-hmm. And I was in that for one month and two days and I got a call from trustedchoice.com. Okay. Trustedchoice.com is the largest referral generation and advocacy platform for the independent uh, property casualty insurance industry. We have 23,000 members, 20, almost 28,000 locations nationwide, and I am now the VP of marketing, so basically the head of marketing for this entire organization and essentially a steward of the independent insurance agency brand as a whole, trusted choice. Sure. And um, it's been an incredible experience uh, to, to take what I did on a local level and now apply those concepts to the national game. And, you know, my competitor went from being the Johnson agency, you know, across the across the street to State Farm and Geico and and farmers and these other direct and captive brands, which which your audience may or may not be aware of. You know, they're captive brands. So they write with just one company and, and the, the agencies that I represent are, are independent local businesses that then sign contracts with as many carriers as they want. And it's been incredible. Uh, I started a sister uh, digital publication called Agency Nation. So where trustedchoice.com speaks to consumers right. is meant to capture their attention. And then we turn that attention into referrals to our constituents. Agency Nation is our digital marketing platform where we then teach those agents how to also do it themselves. So my advice is always, uh, it, it's good to be partnered with large organizations like us, but you also need to be doing it yourself. You know, many of the things that we've already talked about. Sure. So, uh, so I want to give them both. So, so, um, agency nation helps, uh, independent insurance agency or just insurance agency in general, you don't have to be independent, uh, to use the knowledge. Because uh, it's all free, it helps them DIY it, or at least be able to speak the language with whoever's doing it for them. And uh, then Trusted Choice is essentially like a second front door that drives referrals into their business. It's incredibly exciting work, and um, for my experience as an independent to step into this job, uh, I really couldn't be happier. And this is all content marketing based as well, Ryan. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's taking. So so this is the fun part about it is that. The same core principles that I used at the Murray Group at a local level, I'm now applying at a national level, and it the core principles transcend. That's the thing. There's nothing that some of these bigger businesses do that you can't dial into in your own relative way at a local level. It's all about building an audience, 
and building trust and a relationship. And um, th that's done at different scales, obviously. And, and we obviously, I obviously have a much bigger budget today than of I course. did when I was working with the Murray Group. But the core principles are exactly the same. And of course, exactly you're still the same. just answering questions. That's, I mean, that's what people want. I mean, think when you go 30,000 feet, right? Why, what is Google's core mission? Google's core mission is to connect problems with solutions. Now I know it's index all the world's now, blah, 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 but, but what their engine does is connect every problem in the world with the best possible solution. That's what they're really trying to do. And granted, I mean, I know you guys actually have a big battle with them about the compare sites and uh, <laughs> the, the you know the EU's going after them and yeah. and from what the reports that I've read maybe there's some some there's some of that is warranted but yeah. uh, so take Google out of it right so this is one of the biggest you know digital companies in the entire world that is every you know all the search engines all the platforms Facebook right yeah Facebook is is trying to pull more content in because they know that people have have want to be entertained they want to be educated and they want to be inspired and being able to connect them with the organizations that are creating that content is an incredibly valuable business so you either need to be the person connecting or you need to be the person creating connecting is very tough but if you can create there is a ton of opportunity just think about that going back now nine years that conversation that you overheard with those two guys at the networking event talking about linkedin that set you off on this journey amazing that they created that spark that has allowed you to create this whole content empire almost and <laughs> it, it, it's it's a remarkable story and i'm really pleased that you were able to come onto the empath podcast today and share it with us ryan fantastic thanks very much for doing that so much my pleasure thank you and ryan before we go let's just go through the quick fire round of business questions what's the one thing that you change about the insurance and financial services industry in the u.s if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave and i think this would apply to the uk as well but i would make a clear set i would, I would make the regulations clear concise and simple around how we market our businesses i think that uh one of the major things holding both insurance and financial professionals back from from doing a lot of the things that we talked about today yeah. is the fear that they're going to say one wrong word and this government body is going to come in and shut their business down and um i know that they're trying i know that the, the the regulations are meant to protect the consumers but i think that we've swung way too far in the other direction i would definitely agree with that what's the one business model or a product or a campaign that's caught your attention in the last year tell us what it was and what you liked about it so i'm, I'm actually going to go farther back than a year that's um, fine there is one that i talk about all the time which i just i think is is, is brilliant in so many ways because I, I think it's also repeatable at the scale of kind of the local and mid-sized business. Um, and that is uh, Apple had a campaign for uh, their iPad called Your Verse. And if you Google Apple iPad Your Verse, you'll find the YouTube video. And basically this, this the whole concept of Your Verse was not, it, it, they didn't speak about the iPad at all. The whole it was basically a video and if you watch this you'll understand it but all it does is show experiences that create of creators using the iPad and putting those creators so the clients of the business of the product it highlighted them and made them the stars and never once mentioned one thing about the iPad 
other than showing it in the video. And at the very end, it said Apple iPad. They didn't talk about benefits. They didn't talk about features. They didn't talk about RAM or speed or internet connection. It was just a, a really powerful video that showed clients using the product. And I think that when we highlight our clients in our marketing, there is literally no better way to tell your story. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. Yeah, so that's a good question. I actually had to pull my, I grabbed my phone so I could figure out what it is. So I'm gonna give you, um, for marketing, great one is Word Swag. So this is a, an, a free app that allows you to create uh, very simple graphics that you can share on social media or on Instagram. Uh, I use it a lot for quotes or for announcements and um, it makes it super simple and you can you know put in your text you know grab one of their images that they have share it to instagram share it to facebook twitter pinterest all the social platforms very very simply from anywhere so if you're if you find that you don't have a lot of time to create to create a lot of content this is a great way to kind of on the move uh, get a message out into your communities uh, without taking stealing time from your day and you don't have to be in front of a desktop if you fly the fly delta app is amazing and um, the last one is I use a to-do list tool called Todoist, so T-O-D-O-I-S-T, and it connects with both your, your email system, your web browser, and your uh, mobile phone. And basically you put you know tasks in there and it notifies you uh, of, hey, tomorrow you have this due and in a week you have this due. And it's just a really nice, clean app for keeping kind of your tasks in order and I, and I uh, use it both for personal tasks, like uh, I got to stop at the grocery store <laughs> at some point today for my wife, and uh, and per and business tasks, like I have to review an infographic that we're putting together. So um, those three are three that I would recommend. I love word swag, love it to bits. What's the best business book you've ever read, Ryan? And you're allowed <sighs> to plug your own book here, Content Warfare, of yeah, course. <laughs> so I, I will not plug my own first, at least. You know, that's a, that's a really tough question because I, I read a bunch of different genres. So one I'm reading right now is called Essentialism. Um, and the author's name is escaping me. I'd have to look it up and we don't have time, but it's called essentialism. And basically the whole concept is dialing your work and your life down to the, to the bits that really make sense, to the, to the pieces that, that actually uh, help you move forward and whatever you're trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't have to directly be related to business though. It, it is written in the business context. And I know it's starting to help me. And this is actually, it was part of the impetus for me to dial into uh, the podcast more and give up some of my writing a little bit just because I enjoy the podcast so much. It's where I get the most reach by far. Um, and, and some of the lessons that I've, that I've learned in that book and some of the ideas have helped me make that decision to dial into the podcast more. So that would be one. Uh, another one is What to Do When It's Your Turn by Seth Godin. Oh, yes. Um, and it's always your turn. It's, it's, a, it's a quick read. It's a really visual book, but worth it. It it's, it's gets you kind of thinking, gets you kind of jacked up. And, uh, and because it's such a quick, light read, I think that you know anyone can can plow through it in a, in a day at most, and uh, and you'll be happy that you did. Um, and then if people are looking to, to kind of take their content marketing deeper, obviously my book, Content Warfare, How to Find Your Audience, Tell Your Story, and Win the Battle for Attention Online. It, to me, it is the foundational, I wrote it to be a foundation in content marketing in which books like Ann Hanley's Everyone Writes or Jay Bear's Utility or Content Rules. You know, these books, I, I believe, build on top of them. Mark Schaefer's Content Code is another one. Yeah. Um, I think they, those are great content marketing books. I actually think that um, some of their strategies 
our our almost like 201 level stuff mm-hmm. and i wanted to write the foundational book that like here are the core principles that you then read those books and build on and um I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it, and it's it's done pretty well. So uh, you can get that at Amazon. Uh, just search Content Warfare. I'll be putting a link to the book in the show notes, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF, as, lo- as well as links to all the other things we talked about today, Ryan. Before we go, I'm figuring that a lot of people are going to want to get in touch with you at some point. Hopefully somebody's going to offer to fly you over to the UK to do a speech at some conference somewhere. I'm hoping that might happen. So, I would say yes to that. <laughs> absolutely, especially if it was business class travel. What would be the best way to get in touch with you, Ryan? So uh, you can e- anyone can email me with any questions or comments that they have, Ryan at ryanhanley.com or if you like twitter it's ryanhanley underscore com c-o-m ryanhanley underscore com i hate my twitter handle but (laughs) at this point it's kind of like set so i'm that's what it is ryan thanks so much for talking to me today right across the pond let me wish you every success for the future i hope to catch up with you in person at some point either in scotland or in the u.s and let's uh, let's keep in touch roger it has been my absolute pleasure you are a fantastic host and uh, i I wish you nothing but the best man I'm, i'm happy for the success of your show For listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.